Welcome to worship at Providence Presbyterian Church on this Sunday, October 25, 2020. We are located at 2401 Broad Avenue. For those of you who do not feel comfortable attending church or have underlying health concerns, we would like to remind you that our podcast is still available on the website, www.providencepc-altoona.org. If you do not have internet or computer availability, you can listen to the podcast via telephone at 1-857-385-7521. Please note that long-distance phone rates apply. We thank those of you who are currently able to support the church with your offerings. It truly is a blessing in enabling us to keep current in paying church expenses. Now, let us prepare our hearts for worship as we listen to the prelude. Let us join in our call to worship. Let us worship God. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made the heavens and the earth. Oh, praise the Lord with me. Let us exalt God's name together. 
Let us pray. Almighty and ever gracious God, since all our creation depends upon your holy word, therefore grant that our hearts may be set free from worldly things, so that we may, with all diligence and faith, hear your word, rightly understand your gracious will, and in all sincerity live according to the same, to your praise and glory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us make confession to God the Lord together. Let everyone with me acknowledge our sin and shortcomings. Let us pray. Almighty God, Eternal Father, we acknowledge and confess to you that we were born in unrighteousness. Our life is full of sin and transgression. We have not gladly believed your word nor followed your holy commandments. For your goodness sake and for the sake of your name, be gracious unto us, we pray, and forgive us all our sin, which is very great. Amen. This saying is true, and we should believe it, that Christ Jesus came into the world to rescue sinners. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might be dead to sin and alive to all that is good. To all those who repent, therefore, I proclaim to you the forgiveness of all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Let us pray as we prepare to hear God's word. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will, through Jesus Christ our Lord.
have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dried and withered. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. Our reading from the Gospel and the Epistles today is actually from the Epistle of Romans, chapter 3, verses 19 through 26. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that by every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of our sin. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, that through the shedding of his blood, to be received by faith, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Here ends our readings from God's word, and may he bless them to our lives. Amen. Today, Sunday, October 25th, is Reformation Sunday. It is on this day we remember that 503 years ago uh, the Augustinian monk and teacher of theology by the name of Martin Luther posted what's called 95 Theses on the door of the Wittenberg Church beginning what would become the Protestant Reformation. Of all the things that Martin Luther did and said that were that are controversial, perhaps the most controversial thing he ever said, as it is commonly translated in modern English, is that he said, sin boldly. Now, many people, many commentators, misunderstand this phrase and think, Paul, think that Luther is here saying that we can just... You know, as long as we have grace from God, we can just sin however we want. And this policy of saying we can doesn't make a difference how we live, we're saved by faith, uh, is sometimes called antinomianism. But that's not what uh, Luther meant that day when he said that. And we need to understand, for one thing, the, the, that phrase, uh, sin boldly, 
is actually part of a longer phrase, sentences, that he wrote to one of his uh, protégés by the name of Methalion. He wrote to him, if you are a preacher of mercy, do not preach in an imaginary, but the true mercy. If mercy is true, you must therefore bear the truth, not an imaginary sin. God does not save those who only are imaginary sinners, but sinner and let your sins be strong, or in other words, sin boldly, but let your trust in Christ be stronger and rejoice in Christ, who is the victor over sin, death, and the world. Now, we need to understand a little bit about uh, Martin Luther's upbringing that led him to this statement and to the beginning of the Reformation. Uh, Luther was born the son of a copper mine owner, and he was raised, his father had plans for him to become a lawyer, which was a very respectable and wealthy occupation. And so, um, as a young man, Luther went to school, went to the university, and was prepared and was in the process of entering law school when he was on his way home and he was riding out in the woods when suddenly, out of apparently nowhere, this very intense thunderstorm came and uh, Luther was sort of thrown from his horse and was standing there on the ground and a bolt of lightning hit the ground near to where he was. Uh, Luther cried out, uh, save me, St. Anne, and I will become a monk. And Luther survived. And Luther took his vow very seriously. And so to the chagrin of his father, who never seemed to understand it, uh, Luther left the university as far as uh, becoming a lawyer, turned his back on that, and entered a monastery and began the process of becoming a monk. But Luther, as we could see from what happened during the thunderstorm, tended to be a little over-scrupulous. He, you know, he, he had come to the conclusion, as many people did in his day, that you know, in addition to trusting in Jesus Christ, he had to perform so many good works to counteract his sins. And he kept thinking about how many sins he had committed and how tainted his, even his good works were by sin. And so as compared to the other monks who would go uh, maybe for 20 minutes and a half an hour or so to confession, Luther would spend two or three hours each day in confession, uh, in the, the Catholic confessional. In fact, it got so bad that the father confessor said to Luther to not come back until he had some real sin to confess. But Luther was in mortal fear of the wrath of God, that he, when you know, God was, would judge him and would send him to hell no matter how much he tried to do good. But as Luther be began training in to become a uh, teacher of theology, he began to do something that he had never had done before. He began reading the, first the book of Psalms and then the book of Romans. And he came across 
Romans chapter 1, but also the passage we have read today from chapter 3 of the book of Romans. And he came to see that it was not a matter of, of his efforts, not a matter of his trying to be good that was the basis of his salvation. Rather, the basis of his salvation was the fact of God's grace. That it wasn't just God's goodness plus our goodness together that made us right in God's sight. It was simply God's grace alone that made us right with God. Now, it's not that Luther did not believe that once we received the grace of God, we would endeavor to live a godly life, but he came to say, okay, you know, you've been saved by faith, so it doesn't matter how many good works you have. Why I mention that today, because there are three ways even today that people approach uh, God and salvation. First off, there are those who, like many of the monks and the priests of Luther's day, thought they were basically good people. You know, that, that they were basically good people, they had lived a good life, they had accomplished many good works, and their sins, which were few and minor, and could be taken care of by going to the confessional, or at least by by what was popular back in, in Luther's day, by an indulgence, that if you bought an indulgence, if you paid money to the church, you would get forgiveness for sins by, by so doing. And so they felt that that's the way they were, and they were on their way to God. They were God's special chosen people in many ways like the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees back in Jesus' day felt. But then there were others who were like Luther in his early days. The idea is they saw you know, the, the righteousness of God, they saw the holiness of God, they saw God's punishment of sin, and they lived in, lived in mortal fear of God. And so they're constantly always trying to say, you know, have I sinned? Have I done wrong? Have I done enough good? And they live a life of constant fear, you know. They'll say, well, gee, I hope I'll, go, you know, I'll hope I, I, I'm going to be saved. I hope I go to heaven. But they're never sure. They're always doubting themselves. And then the third group, the group that Luther became and which forms the heart of the Reformation, is those who have come to believe that we are, in, in the phrase of that Luther coined was sola fide, that we are saved by faith alone, not by our good actions, not by things we do to earn merit with God. We can never earn merit with God because we are sinners, true sinners, not just subtle little tiny sinners. That's what, what Luther's getting at here with his phrase. But the idea is we are real sinners. We have committed real sins, which are deserving of God's real punishment, but that God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross that our sins might be forgiven and we be made right with God. So, you know, we need to believe that, hey, yes, I am a sinner. We need to confess that. I am a sinner, and throughout my time here on this earth till I die 
or till Jesus comes back again, I will commit sins. But my salvation is not, it's not dependent upon the fact that I never, ever commit a sin again. Yes, I strive not to sin, but I admit that while in my heart I seek to serve God, I have a fallen nature and therefore I do sin. But we, you know, the idea is my salvation is based not on my efforts, but entirely, completely on the grace of God, and he receives me by faith. So that's why, you know, that's why Luther said what he did. He said, well, sin boldly, not that it's right for us to go ahead and sin. He says, but acknowledge the fact, yes, I am a sinner. Because if we're not really willing to acknowledge we're a real sinner, then we cannot receive real grace. We cannot receive real mercy from God. So we acknowledge our sins, but we also acknowledge more completely, more from the core of our being, the fact that we are forgiven of our sins through Jesus Christ. There's another sentence by Luther that I think is the one we need to remember this uh, Reformation day uh, and every day of our lives. He, Luther said on another occasion, when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this, I admit that I deserve death and hell, what of it? For I know one who has suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God, and where he is, there I shall also be. So we are saved by grace through Christ. And we, you know, we, if the devil reminds us of our sins, we turn around and say, yes, we're sinners, but we remind him of how great our Savior is, and we pr uh, proclaim God's glory and praise to God and share it with those in whom uh, we need to share our faith. Amen. Let us join together in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence you shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let us prepare our hearts and lives for prayer. Father, we gather together this Sunday morning to offer you our praise and our thanks that you have provided for the forgiveness of our sins through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, that he has given us new life. Lord, help us by your Holy Spirit to endeavor each day to live a life worthy of the grace we have received through Christ. 
But Father, at the same time, let us not uh, fall into abject fear if we do fall short because we know that our sins have been covered by Christ's blood and that we are accepted in your sight and that we are your sons and your daughters. We come before you this day and we remember those who are sick. We ask that you would touch them in body, mind, and spirit. Be with their friends and family and comfort them and watch over the caretakers. We pray that you would be with those who are grieving the loss of a loved one. Provide them the peace that you alone can provide that the world can't give to them, but the world can't take away from them. We come before you today, Father. We pray for our nation and the nations of the world that you would lead, you would lead the leaders of our world's governments in the way of peace. And Father, be with us as your people. Guide our hearts and our lives as we prepare in a matter of a couple weeks to go to the polls and vote once again. We thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. We lift them up to you in Jesus' name and pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. covenant partners, called to faithful obedience, and set free for joyful praise, we offer our hearts and lives to do God's work in his world. We are confident that the light which shines in the present darkness will fill the earth when Christ appears. Come, Lord Jesus, our world belongs to you. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope you have been blessed and God has been glorified. May you have a God-blessed week. We look forward to you joining us again next Sunday and invite your friends to listen.